0: Coaches, Cognition, Coaching with Courtney and Christensen. As a busy coach, you spend all day refueling, revamping, and reflecting with educators. Now is the time to stop and recharge your batteries with some much needed coaching for the coach.
1: Welcome back to another episode of C3. I'm Courtney Groskin, and I'm here at a
0: distance with Violet Christensen. Violet, what's new in your world? Uh, In my world, I have just been trying to explore some fun new techie tools and just new ways to reflect with my educators and find new ways to um, bridge that gap when I'm coaching virtually. And so one of my new favorites that I thought I would share out, and I think a lot of our listeners are already aware of it, but... Jamboard has become a power tool to me our district just um upgraded and made sure everyone had access to Jamboard and I have just seen from educators having individual notebooks for each subject for each kid so they can be monitoring their progress and getting formative assessment throughout the lesson was amazing um I actually had yeah I mean like to be able to see it live time and I actually gave Jamboard to my two little cuties um just for those of you who are tech timid um my two little cuties who are five and three and I gave it to them and within 15 minutes I came back and they had been collaboratively drawing writing sentences um they had figured out all the tools with no instruction so that's how like low entry it is that it's really user-friendly it uses a lot of sticky note features and also um text and photo integration in order to make a rich collaborative tool um, one thing i did last week which was super cool was with one of my educators we went on a jam board and really reflected on all of his growth throughout the entire year since covid started so what are the things that are like secondhand to you now? What are the things that you're working on? And what are the things that are still deltas that we're trying to to enhance and figure out what just doesn't work for you that you're not going to keep? Um, and it was interesting that we were both putting sticky notes of all the things we'd worked on. And then he was sorting them into the piles of what he felt like he had mastered, what he was still working on solidifying. And so using Jamboard for individual coaching reflection was cool. And then my last favorite example with Jamboard was we actually have an interdistrict coaching collaborative um, where we bring different coaches together in a course that we're able to practice our coaching. So that place where a coach can get a coach. And when we had our last session um, in January, it was powerful. We just had a jam board that was just coaching celebrations. And we just gave them time to go in and put what was their win of the week or their win of the month or their win of the year. And to watch that board collaboratively collaboratively fill up with celebrations was just amazingly powerful. And I just saw so many people pulling and being like, oh, I had that win too. Oh, this this one's powerful. So um that's something that's new in my world and that I keep using in a lot of professional development and coaching and with teachers. And um I just find it so applicable, uh, PK twelve so and beyond um with our educators. So I thought that was a, a good one to share today. Jamming with yeah, Jam board. <laughs> you gotta jam out with Jamboard, right? And um, yeah, I actually made a jam board of Jamboards just with samples, right? So people could see the capabilities. I know. It's a new verb, Jamboarding.
1: A whole nother level of Jamboarding.
0: Absolutely. Well, what what techie tools or what have you been up to lately, Courtney? What's uh, peaking your fancy?
1: Um, I got invited to test out a new app. It's in the beta version. It's called Clubhouse. And it actually allows people to go on and it's all audio. You don't actually get to see them, but you get to host rooms and you can listen in and then you can get invited by the person who's hosting to speak. Um, but it's it's like a podcast slash radio show experience, but there's people in all different industries, but a lot of great coaches on there that I've recently had the opportunity to connect with. So growing my PLN that way, and also just things like I like photography. So there are these masterclasses on photography that I can just pop in and listen to. So that's something I've been exploring. It's funny, you know, the times of day doesn't always match up for educators um, when some of these things happen, but the nighttime seems to be from like eight to 10 PM clubhouse seems to be uh, the place to be. And it's invite only right now on iPhone. They're trying to roll it out real slow um, and make sure it works. And they're adding and updating. So it's really cool to be into something
0: on the ground floor. It's super cool. And what you have shared with me and what I've been invited to is unbelievable. I was a little intimidated at first because I'm like, oh, my children are running around and my hair is a mess. That's the beauty of the audio recording format that even if you're in your pajama pants, you can still have that professional learning conversation going on and growing your PLN. And it's actually amazing because that's part of how we got to know our guests for today, right?
1: Yeah, Miriam is joining us today. She's the Certified Life and Leadership Professional Coach with the International Coaching Federation and is currently working towards her master's Um, in Certified Coaching Accreditation and is the
0: founder of EmpowermentCoachingMC.com. Miriam, thank you so much for joining us today. We are super excited to have you on C3 and be able to share all of your insights. Um, Both Courtney and I have been devouring your work, loving hearing about you in Clubhouse and getting to hear some of your wisdom, and we are excited to share it with our listeners. So thank you for joining us.
2: No, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Well, it is amazing to have you today, and we wanted to just start with hearing your story. So if you can tell us just a little bit of um, your background in education and how you got into coaching
2: and just a
0: little bit of your story to start off, that would be amazing.
2: Absolutely. Well, it was a little bit by accident. I'm originally from Spain, went to a French university, and upon graduation, I was working for the course system as an interpreter and translator, and I was also teaching at a business school. And at that time... I was entertaining going to law school, but I really didn't know what I wanted to do as a career. But I did know this. I knew that I liked to travel and I didn't want it to leave abroad. So it just happened. I was offered a position to teach at a high school in Suffolk, Virginia, here in the States. And I said, let's go for it. So I just thought it would be the perfect opportunity for me to improve my English and to really experience life in America. So I remember like yesterday, I just. God, I was on that plane on a cold, rainy day in January, heading to the States, and i really having to manage my emotions and my thoughts stemming from the uncertainty and moving to a new country with a new language where I knew no one and where I felt like I was leaving it all I knew behind. But I held on to courage and to the fact that I really thought that, you know, in life, you just have to take chances. So I let go of my peers. And after three years teaching at the high school level, I transitioned to teaching to the college level for two years. And then I met my husband. And once again, um, we had to relocate. And this time to Northern Virginia. Again, mid-year. There is something about mid-year that always happens in my life. So I started working in HR for a couple of months. And then I moved to teaching at the middle school level. And during those three years of teaching at the middle school level, I received a grant to study a master's in net leadership even though I already had a master's in organizational effectiveness and leadership. And of course, my husband was like, why are you doing another master's? But I said, I'd love to learn. And, you know, I can still improve my English. So I just went for it. And learning has always been a driving force for me. So I knew that the decision was easy. And upon graduation with the master's, I went simultaneously for two different jobs. One job was the school administration. And the other job was a brand new position as a district instructional coach. And chance would have it that the first offer I was given and accepted was the one of the instructional coach. And so I have been a district instructional coach for the last 15 years and love every minute of it. I have truly found my passion and purpose in life. And that's the reason I also launched my side business, EmpowermentCoachingMC.com, that it serves leaders, help educators gain clarity, and rediscover their passion and purpose in life. So that's a little bit about me. Well,
1: we can definitely tell how passionate you are about coaching and your journey. What an amazing story, Um, leaving for Spain, coming to the U.S., not knowing anyone and jumping in, and now look at you out there building your business and your brand. It's awesome. What is your definition of coaching?
2: Well, for me, coaching is kind of job-embedded professional development. It is a process, not an event. It is being a thinking partner and a catalyst for change and growth for others. We partner with clients and I always like to say it it has to be thought provoking and it has to be a creative process that inspires them to maximize their personal and professional potential. And I really like to use metaphors. metaphors. And the metaphor that I would use is that of of being a dance partner or even a car passenger where you're traveling in the same direction, following the speed and the rate of the client while helping raise the blinds so the light can come in for blind spots, for them gaining clarity, for them getting unstuck. Awareness always precedes the designing of the action and the commitment. And so I feel like coaching done right is an empowering process. It's like a life-giving conversation. That's the name of my company, empowermentcoachingmc.com. MC are my initials. Because really when we empower others, we build their confidence, efficacy, and autonomy.
0: I love your analogy of the dance partner and how it's that integral dance and back and forth. And that coaching conversation is a process, not an event. I love that idea. I love that you're being able to draw that out and really give a a good visual for it. That's so huge. And we know this dance has changed a lot this year. And we know you have lived that in your coaching as well. So tell us a little bit about how have you leveraged digital tools for coaching during the pandemic? How has that impacted your practice?
2: Well, with my business, um, with my coaching business, Empowerment Coaching MC, I have always used Zoom. Um, so I was very familiar with Zoom. But my district uses Google Meet and WebEx for virtual meetings. And I obviously use booking links to reduce the number of emails and allow the person to just select the day and the time that is best for them. And, but I really what I love is the normalization of classroom recordings. That has been really powerful because now teachers have a choice. They can either send me their classroom recording or they can invite me to their live class prior to the debriefing conversation. So the fact that we have been virtual for a while, I have also, I have also uh, felt that it has always allowed me to also be working on reading those neuro, non-verbals. I really now uh, really pay attention to the eyes, to the facial movements, to the breathing, to the tone, to the pitch, to the intonation. I just notice even more now that we're doing virtual. Um, So I really love that, but in terms of um, virtual digital tools, I would have to say that as a certified Google educator, I also love Google tools. So Google forums to get feedback from my stakeholders, Google Sheets for logs, Google Docs for observation notes, Google sites for resources, shared drives, etc. Google tools make it easier just to share and collaborate with others. And my district also utilizes Schoology as the learning management system, and it has streamlined how we connect people with content. Um, So that's been very helpful as well. We can now participate in discussion boards asynchronously, and we have many other learning and connection opportunities. On another note, I will say that one part of serving educators is that I model best practices in my professional development opportunities. And therefore, I'm also constantly refining my tech skills by learning new tools like Nearpod, Deck, Flipgrid, Slido, Jamboard, just to name a few. Uh, so when I design professional learning opportunities, modeling these best practices and tools that in turn the educators can use in the classroom is of permanent importance to me. I'm an avid learner and I like to innovate. So I'm sure next time we talk I'll be diving into and utilizing different uh, other different tech tools.
1: I love it. I it's funny I continue to laugh every time we talk about the pandemic and it normalizing video coaching and the use of all these tech tools where you know we've been working and building our skill set with tech for a long time and it as you said, you know, you'll continue to build on it. But man, it took educators a pandemic to get comfortable with like, hey, you can come watch my class or I'll actually send you video. But I know my educators have grown tremendously um, in that practice during this time as well. Absolutely. I know you have a large investment in supporting new career educators. What are some tips you can give to coaches to help support new career teachers?
2: Well, uh, one must start by demonstrating respect for individual differences, levels of experience and understanding of cultures, backgrounds and learning needs. I mean, you really have to honor the whole person as a whole. Right. It's vital. I'm at their service. So I really for me also building the relationship will drive results. I often say that the quality of the relationship is congruent with the quality of the results or the outcomes. I definitely use positive presuppositions, I stay genuinely curious in all of my interactions, I listen to my coach'es wins, I celebrate with them, I listen to their perceived needs, I mediate their thinking, and finally, then we can design action, an action plan with the specific steps and identify what resources, support, and accountability that might need. But um, really, part of my job is also gathering non evaluative observational data and we then analyze it during reflective conversation. So uh, for me, it's very important to make sure that um, we're able to look at the data, we, we share wonderings about the data, different data points, and my job is also to ask evocative questions. And the most effective um, coaching is really the one that goes under the iceberg, like I like to call it. We don't just coach behaviors, we coach the values, we coach the beliefs, the needs, the ways of being, because that is truly what drives behaviors. So the coach really needs to ask for feedback as well and measure the impact. And I will often just ask um, how the conversation supported their thinking and what's working well. And really, a lot of times I don't even have to ask. Towards the end of the conversation, people will be like, oh, wow, Marianne, I just never thought of this. I feel so relieved now. I, you know, so I think sometimes that is the feedback that you also need. And um, I also feel that coaches not only need to be refining their tools constantly, but also they need to learn about how adults learn. And, you know, that's what is called the andragogy, like knowing how the adults learn and being very familiar with personality types. My advice to other coaches is that your coaching mindset matters. And I am really referring to the emotional and positive intelligence. So, what does that mean? The self awareness the ability for you to manage your own emotions, the ability to build positive and authentic relationships, being non judgmental being aware of your own bias and triggers, and being a believer in the client's ability to source their own answers. I think ultimately it's about building capacity and decreasing dependency and a role as coaches. It's a, lot of being, it's a, lot, it's a It's a lot about being a cheerleader. So our conversations with others are life-giving, uh, but also it is about instilling in educators um, that growth mindset, allowing them to see failures as first attempts to learning and making them comfortable getting out of their comfort zone. I always say that you have to meet the person where they are and um, and really coaches need to continue their personal growth and development because that's the only way that their impact is going to increase. And they, you have to be refre- reflective as a coach. And I always suggest um, that coaches should also have a coach themselves.
0: Every coach needs a coach. It always comes back to that. I, I just love how you're so passionate about new educators and how you really are talking about feedback, being reflective, and making sure that we're everything comes back to those relationships. I know um, I get the opportunity to work with a lot of new educators in our district, and there's a lot of insights that you pulled right there that I'd love to take right to the forefront of their earbuds um, to be able to hear um, moving forward. I just you keep dropping lines and I'm like, yes, yes, every coach needs to hear this. Um, Can you share with us some ways that you build and you've kind of touched on this, but how you build resiliency in your educators and how do you help them to be mindful of their needs?
2: Well, for me, building resilience is something proactive. It has to be intentional endeavor. It cannot be reactive. It cannot be only when we need it. Right. Uh, Because the ability to weather those storms and, and be able to overcome or challenges. Um, that really means that you really have to have a, a a full tank of energy, right? And for me, that's connected. That building that resilience for me is connected to the daily habits, and so sleep, exercise, nutrition, being able to be aware and regulate your own emotions, either through mindfulness or positive intelligence strategies, or building your own reservefulness as well. That means like really believing in yourself believing that you can be creative and then you can really are able to solve anything that comes your way. And I also feel that being in constant collaboration with a PLN or, or people that really uplift you matters. I always say you got to surround yourself with people that provide light to you. And that inspire you and you really do become the five people that you surround yourself so i always ask my teachers tell me a little bit more about um who do you collaborate um who who do you go when you when you need support obviously other than the mentor and the coach uh but so that's very important um to make sure that we touch base on some of those things but i think beyond i mean what is important to know is of course we have there is a genetic component of to resilience, and then there's also the context and the situation right, that the person might be experiencing, and that's different for everybody. But I think also it's very important to acknowledge that self-care and refueling energy looks very different for everyone. So for me, my job is to really help explore what are the needs and wants, and how do they really, what is their pathway for resilience? Because that might look different for everybody. And I also noticed a lot in my conversations, the energy shifts. So I've become really skilled and being able to read that energy. And a lot of times um, that's just, I think uh, uh, an, an intuition and also a deciphering technique. I think like I, think I mentioned earlier because I speak different languages, I have really had to rely on nonverbals as part of, um, especially when I was learning the language, I really sometimes didn't fully understand the words but there was something about the face, the tone, and everything that then I would really know the gist of what they were trying to tell me. So now it has really helped me because I use that a lot. Of course, I understand the words, but as we know, sometimes the words are not congruent with the nonverbals, uh, and vice versa. So that's important to point out. And, um, and so it's important to explore. I and mean, sometimes you simply might say, oh, I'm sensing some heaviness. What is coming up for you? Oh, I'm noticing some new emotions. How are you really feeling? Um, and sometimes I've noticed that when I have that conversation and I'm open about it, people are really like, Whoa, well, Miriam, I wasn't going to say anything. But, yeah, this is it. You know, this is really what is coming up for me or this is really what has happened. So I'm really glad that sometimes just the power of noticing and the power of also inviting the person if they feel comfortable to discuss it. I think that really matters. Um, I also think that part of having a conversation about well-being and resilience requires that you have to have a positive relationship with that person. And it has to be grounded on trust and psychological safety. So part of listening and being fully in the moment is really being able to notice those those energy shifts and also asking permission to make those observations. But I truly believe that vulnerability cannot happen without connection. And, um, and of course, I help. With my educators, I do a lot of um, strategies like practicing gratitude or mindfulness or acknowledgement or appreciation and also cognitive reframing. Cognitive reframing is huge for me um, just to allow the person to tell a different story and to see things differently. I always tell the story how with the pandemic, people might say, oh, I have to stay home. Whereas other people, the invitation might be, okay, how do we reframe that and just basically changing the words that we tell ourselves and perhaps we say, well, I get to stay home safe. It really changes how you feel. So the words matter. And um, I also think that helping others build resilience is not just telling them what to do. It's really helping them realize what they need to build that resilience. It's heightening their awareness and helping them design consistent action. Is aiding them to shift the perspective that is within and then also to establish a commitment to self. And I think sometimes as educators, it's really hard. We give so much to others. We're so empathetic. We serve so much. But I think just going back to the idea that you really cannot give to others if you have an empty tank, right? Or if you don't put your oxygen mask on, you're not going to be able to be your best self. So I think going back to that has definitely helped. And I will just say the last thing that I also feel... The educational system must also ensure that we are not burning out our educators and that we're able to retain them. Um, So I think um, the educational system also has a big responsibility, and I think that goes along with leadership.
1: Yeah, and that's, I think, more present than ever with this crazy year. I can't believe we're coming up on a year of teaching um, and working with educators under these conditions. So I think that point of resiliency and how we need to retain our teachers is huge. And what a gift you're providing your educators. You know, we don't always have the words verbally, but to know that you're so in tune with them, that you're picking up on nonverbal cues and you're really seeing and hearing them, that must be such a great experience for them. Thank you. We know you value coaching leaders in education. Um, How do you foster those coaching relationships?
2: Well relationships right relationships are at the heart of it all uh connecting with others is about making making it's about how you make others feel and the value gained from the interaction. Uh, the relationships are always built on trust and psychological safety and I feel like as a leadership coach in my empowerment coaching business, it is important for me to definitely maintain confidentiality uh exhibit integrity and empathy and flexibility and really. Connecting is about the experience. It really starts with the listening. So I listen more than I speak in my coaching conversations. I also notice what is said and what is not being said. And I use my three Ps, right? Everybody that has been training cognitive coaching knows about the three Ps, the pausing, right? The power of silence. Silence is golden. The paraphrasing, not only of the emotion, but also the content and the posing or asking those powerful questions. And I think um, adding... I think adding value is really not giving advice. It's a lot of times it's just, it's really just allowing the person to think, right? So to think about their own thinking, that metacognition is so, so important. And really coaching is about unlocking people's full potential and allow leaders to learn and grow.
0: I love the three Ps. It just goes back to those simple practices that we can pull in. It's, It's amazing to hear you speak about it. It, You obviously love to surround yourself with people who give you light, but it also, you can hear the light that you spread to other people. So it's, it's beautiful to hear you speak about this so articulately. And I just feel like your story resonates so much with me as it will with so many other coaches. I love that it started with a leap of faith and that it always, everything comes back to your relationship-based coaching and building that trust and getting the most out of the interaction by having the most connection going into the interaction. It's just, it's beautiful to hear you speak to it. And we, we want to know, as people want to dive in more, um, where can they learn more from and with you? And what else do you have coming down the pike that we could hear more about?
2: Of course. Well, I'm always open to connecting and collaborating with others. Um, everywhere. I'm on LinkedIn under Miriam Guerrero Chuck. I'm on Twitter at, at Miriam Chuck. I'm on Instagram, Empowerment Coaching MC, and my latest obsession. <laughs> I'm on Clubhouse, Empowerment MC. So any of those places, I'm always um able, I mean, I'm always happy to connect with people. And in terms of projects, uh, well, one thing I didn't tell you, my husband and I also have channeled our creativity into designing and manufacturing some very pretty cool Amazon products. So, you know, so check them out. Uh, we have them under com and also Kitchenarmour.com. So we have beautiful rustic memo boards, uh, single and double burger presses, and so many other beautiful products. So, check them out. And in terms of projects, I'm finalizing my application to the top level of accreditation with the International Coach Federation for the Master Certified Coach. And I am really hoping to get more involved with the ICF training programs and more peer coaching. And obviously, with my side business, I, I keep myself very busy just uh, coaching a variety of clients, um, either Coaches or leaders, and really for me, it's all about unlocking their full potential and helping them gain clarity, purpose, and passion, and ultimately happiness. Uh, so I, I am loving that. And of course, if any listener, um, you know, would like to experience coaching, always reach out to me for a discovery call. I'm always happy to do that.
0: Well, you truly are a jack of all trades, my friend. Um, you, I don't think you sleep, but I do love all the things that you're producing. So it's amazing to hear more and that they can find that for you. We're going to slide over to the portion of the show where we do our rapid fire questions. So in roughly 30 seconds or less, tell us what is your tagline or your bumper sticker for coaching?
2: For me, it would be coach the person, not the situation or the problem. And that goes back to kind of you are coaching the who, right? Versus the what. So don't do just surface coaching, just the behavior or the action, but rather get to the root, right? What is the value of belief or the way of being that really informing that behavior? Because I do believe the the belief in structure uh, is really the infrastructure of the of the mind, and it's kind of the human operating system. So change is from the inside out. So the beliefs really limit our vision and like shrink our possibilities. So the beliefs are the infrastructure of human consciousness. So I always get under the iceberg.
0: Get under the iceberg. Perfect. Perfect. All right. And last question for you. What is your secret coaching superpower or your go-to move?
2: Well, um, given that coaching conversations are an intricate dance, I would say that definitely reading the nonverbals for congruency with a verbal language is kind of my go-to move. And I definitely use my intuition it's kind of like a sixth sense that I use along with obviously my rationale. so I always tell people decisions always they come together best when the brain, the heart, and the hunch are all in alignment. so I definitely use that in my coaching and um in terms of uh, my coaching move, I would have to say the powers of metaphors and also really using the client's words. I find that with metaphors um the client can really. We can really use the imagination to like either use a story or a symbol or object to change the point of view and really helps activate um, the thinking and allow that person to make new connections. And it has really has been amazing using like metaphors. And I would invite anybody to just like use metaphors because they can really make things come alive and they simplify complex things, become really simple. And really the coachee can really make new connections. Magic happens when the coach trusts the process and utilizes really some of the tools and techniques that we know that, um, that best match the context. And obviously listening, actively listening, always, it's a must as well.
1: Uh, there's so many great pieces of coaching information and knowledge um, that you've inspired us with today. I'm like, I can't wait to coach someone. <laughs> um, thank you for reminding us the importance of coaching and to trust that process.
2: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It has been a, a truly an honor and a pleasure to be spending this time with you all. And um, until the next time.
0: Thank you for joining us. And we're just lucky to have you as part of our PLN now. So we will stay in touch and hope that we'll be able to be in contact soon.
2: Thank you so much. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.
1: Miriam embodies so many qualities of a great coach, active listening and coaching the whole person. Remember, coaching is a process, not an event. Who are you going to deepen your relationship and trust with today? Thanks for listening and be sure to follow us on Twitter at C3 Coaches. C3, connecting, coaches, cognition. Who's thinking will you mediate today?